This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Headspace has done a survey and found that over 2,000 young Australians showed that COVID-19 has had a significant impact on the mental health of young people and, critically, confidence in their own ability to achieve their future goals. And they're magnified in young people who identify as LGBTQIA+. Curious to get down to the the numbers, I spoke with Headspace Executive Director of Clinical Practice Vicky Ryle and Matthew King, who could shed some light on what's going on. So, Vicky, what new research has Headspace released? Um, Yeah, so look, we did some research about, I guess, the impact of um, COVID-19, not the virus specifically, but the restrictions um, resulting from the virus um, and how young people were feeling, I guess, broadly speaking. And what we found was that uh, 40% of young people feel like COVID has, um, I guess, negatively impacted their confidence to reach the goals that they had, uh, their future goals. Uh, Just um, under, over half, 51% of young Australians felt that their mental health had got worse since the outbreak of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then there's some um, specific differences. So young women were more likely to feel their mental health had suffered and Young people who identify as LGBTIQA plus um, were also more likely to feel that um, their mental health had suffered. Hmm. And do you have any specific numbers on that? Um, I don't in front of me, but we can okay. certainly get them to you. Bronte, do you know while you're there, I'm sorry to interrupt your recording, I'm no, hoping you fine. can edit it. Yeah, I can. <laughs> okay. Um, well, there were some in the media release, but um, yeah, that's great. Right. So, okay. why did you start undertaking this research? What was the what was the germ of an idea for it? Look, I guess there's um, there's a kind of um, this is unprecedented as an event, obviously. Mm. Um, but we looking at mental health, the sort of area that we're looking at in literature was from the natural disaster stuff. Uh-huh. Um, which is probably a reasonable map for making sense of something like this that has such a big effect on communities, the world, really, in this instance. Mm -hmm. Um, And what um, that that shows is that there is ongoing effects on people's mental health. Um, And we also know some things like uh, uh, unemployment or underemployment also has an impact on how people feel about themselves and for many young people on their mental health. So there was a range of things that we knew fairly quickly um, would be a problem. There's also other uh, fairly robust predictions, if you like, like um, family violence going up, family violence negatively impacts mental health, and that young people, the headspace age range is 12 to 25, so it's a mm-hmm. big-ish group, um, but that young people are sort of disproportionately affected by these issues as Matt will talk to. So, they, um, you know, their school experience was interrupted and had to change. They had, you know, they're at a point in their life where they're really wanting to hang out a lot with their friends, um, the younger groups, and that was changed. And whilst they, you know, obviously very adept at 
using social media. It, it's a different uh, way. And certainly the research showed that uh, young people were really were very impacted by that change in their social contact in terms of how mm. they were feeling. So, and the, the study and looking to the future is a specific thing for our age range as well. So we were just keen to get um, an, a, a good picture of, of what it's been like at that early point and, and um, we'll keep trying to make sense of the impact through our services and through surveys like this going forward. Mm. Um, and as far as looking forward, I remember seeing some various surveys of who knows what sort of quality, talking about how the people that are most cynical about the future tend to be younger, especially when you talk about things like climate change, etc. Um, mm. What did you find in your research about looking toward the future? Attitude, or sorry, what did you find in your research about attitudes toward the future? Well, I mean, it is it, really the, the questions we were asking were around um, confidence around achieving future goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, likewise, we um, we have had similar uh, information anecdotally and across the network around concerns about uh, social and cultural issues um, and that young people are really concerned about climate, uh, 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 issues facing LGBTI people, uh, all of the, a lot of those sort of front and centre social issues young people are, mm. are very passionately concerned about. In this particular survey, we were really looking at how they were feeling about themselves and their future in, in relation to that perhaps more individualistic future, not necessarily um, yep. things like climate. How, how do you fit into this, this picture? What's your, what, how are you involved with Headspace and why? So I'm on the national references for Headspace, and so I'm involved in a variety of different projects. So I'm involved with um, policy making, with media input, media projects, and advising on it's on a variety of projects across the organisations that make sure an advising company on making sure that it's like engaging youth well, and that it's like relevant to you. And mm. yeah. And, and then the reason why I'm on the board yeah. is that, like, I've had I've had a little mental health issues for quite a long time, and I've really wanted to give back and really put my experiences with you. Hmm. And if someone's having mental health issues or they think they might be, um, what what can Headspace do for them if Headspace they're between really twelve and twenty five? <laughs> well, confidentially, it can really help you. In a confidential manner, you don't even need to have your parents involved in the process if you mm. don't feel comfortable in doing so. But it can help you find someone that a safe space where you can feel comfortable opening up and really finding and really come to terms with what's happening and putting things in perspective. And it's a really good place to feel to know that you're wanted and to know that you're valued. Uh, are all Headspace services delivered? remotely like is there anything in person if you want to go see a, a psychologist you get a referral or like that can you talk about some of the nitty-gritty of it i know that vicky knows more about it because under covid things are slightly different <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> look um really it, it's a great question at the moment 
So um, we've got a um, across the country, um, there's about 115 centres that are open. Um, so that covers, you know, a fair bit of the country, obviously not all of it. Um, and many of those services, I think the Northern Territory um, is an exception, but many of those um, states and territories uh, did have to transition to predominantly uh, what we're calling screen-to-screen -screen service. Mm -hmm. So sort of mostly video conferencing um, sessions, sometimes young people preferred telephone. Um, and I mean, look, it's been really interesting because I think it's been a great uh, exploration for what that's like for both mental health clinicians, but uh, more importantly for young people and their family and friends where they're involved to go, hey, actually, maybe this works, you know. Um, people seem to feel comfortable mm. um, talking in that way, but not always. And um, so, we, you know, going forward, we're really hoping to make a bit of sense of that um, experience. Um, most of the centres now, or many of them, are opening up to uh, have more face-to-face -face contact. Mm. Uh, many of them, through the entire time, maintained um, some in-person sessions uh, for those who really did need it, or um, for, many of the centres have their own GPs. So in some instances, they were still seeing people in person. Mm. Um, so it's it's currently a mix, um, and we're getting sort of weekly updates on where that's up. But what you really see is the number of screen-to-screen -screen sessions decreasing yeah. and the number of face-to-face -face sessions increasing. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really different experience to do it over the phone versus in person. Like, I recently talked with... Um, my psychiatrist by phone and it was so different than seeing her in person like she couldn't see if i was anxious and not talking about it <laughs> through my through yeah. my through my body language um <laughs> you have to spell out a fair bit more don't you um sort of you know you've yeah. gone quiet <laughs> because you're thinking or because uh, yeah it's um but that can be, that's not, yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how that was for you, but it can be a, a good experience or, or a more difficult one or a bit of both mm. sometimes too. So what are the researchers Headspace doing at the moment? Um, look, we are looking um, at the um, experience of both mental health clinicians and young people across the country of the uh, change service provision. Matt, I don't know, did you, have you... Um, had any contact with um, any health professionals through more remote mechanisms? During COVID or just in general, do you mean? Well, yeah, either. It's a good point. Either. So <laughs> yeah. during COVID, I got separate health, but since a lot of my issues were very specific, I wasn't able to go through Headspace because it was really severe, um, the issues I was dealing with, because Headspace is mild to moderate. Mm -hmm. But I've got... But um, with me, I had very specialist psychologists helping. That was a very abnormal experience that I went through. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and have you had some of that contact, like on the phone or on video conference, now? So during COVID, I've fortunately in Melbourne, I went to a centre which did have face-to-face, -face mm. which was really fortunate. But they had to obviously do distancing. You had to be there 1.5 metres apart. But you still have that same connection, which was really valuable. And there are still, like, they're still, um, you're still able to talk to a human, which made a big difference. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. but I know that like through people who I know that people who have, who have gone through screen to screen they had still had a really good experience with it yeah even though it's still not like success it's still like it still had that really like good way to open up with someone and to feel comfortable like you can have that same experience on screen I think it's just getting used to it mm. yeah yeah there's something kind of interesting about that in that, you know, if I go see a specialist, um, you, you know, you have to get out of your house, you have to take the, you know, I take public transport or something there. So you really get out of the right mm, headspace, if you'll excuse me. And, you know, when you do it remotely, it's like, okay, you can literally do that from your bed. And, um, you know, you don't have to go in a situation where you have to put up barriers just to get there. Um so, yeah, maybe it's a bit easier for some people. Yeah, look, it's a great reflection. Um, and what we found, uh, heard from uh, the centres through the, the Headspace centres through this period is that, that, that again, strengths and weaknesses, um, that um, for some people that's been great because it means that they've perhaps been able to access help they might not have otherwise on days that they might not have you know, been able to manage to get themselves to a session. Mm. But um, at the same time, um, people can feel a bit uh, uncomfortable or not have a really safe space for a range of reasons to have the kinds of conversations that they would, you know, normally have with a mental health professional. Mm. Just adding on to what Vicky just said, it's also really good for people who usually can't physically access the centre, like people on wheelchairs, Mm. because they're now able to, like, spring screen in like an affordable way as well which is something that has was difficult to get prior to um screen screen sessions in headspace so it's really like branched out more opportunities for people to get help in ways that they feel comfortable in doing so and they are able to mm. um and so i wanted to talk a bit about intake um how do people access headspace services what's the if you want to start where do you go what do you do um, I mean, look, it, it, it's pretty uh, accessible, hopefully. I mean, obviously notwithstanding the COVID thing at the moment, so yeah. that, that has, I know, made things a bit more difficult in some of the centres. Um, what we're trying to, sort, I guess, talk to young people about is if you're worried about your mental health or for family, friends, anyone, have a look at the information we've got on the Headspace website. There's a whole lot of information about things you can do to look after your mental health. Mm-hmm. And that's whether that's for everybody. That's whether you've had mental health difficulties or you just want to, um, you're having some, you know, a down day um, across all of that sort of continuum, if you like. And, and then there's also some self-help tools where you can do bits and pieces yourself. And I guess what hopefully the information and the tools will help you work out is, is this really um, at the level that I, I should see seek professional help? Mm. And if that's the case, we've got a national online telephone service, eHeadspace, and, and as I said, we've got physical centres all over the country. People can just contact the centres themselves. They don't need a um, referral. Um, mm-hmm. If they... Some of the centres, if they're not, if they don't have their own um, GP, and um, they may need to ask the young person to to see a GP in order to get what's called a mental health treatment plan. Yep. Um, but that that's a sort of a step in the process. But there's no referral required to just contact the centre. Mm. 
Mm. Um, but it's, I think it, it is a good place to start if you're just a bit worried or you want to, um, you're not feeling great to, to have a look at the website. Um, yeah. And there's stacks of stuff there that can be helpful. That was Headspace Executive Director of Clinical Practice, Vicki Ryle, and Matthew King speaking with me yesterday. This is The Informer on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.